welcome back to the Axton Youth Podcast. We are thrilled to introduce our youth pastor's wife, Sister Nikki Turner, to the podcast. Her lesson is entitled, Teenagers Don't Exist. Don't let the title deceive you. Sister Nikki addresses truths about our modern culture and challenges our thinking. We hope you guys enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. Give her your attention, okay? Y'all are silly. Okay, so before church started, I came and I was going to try to sing, but I literally sounded like a chain smoker, like a chain smoker that's been a chain smoker for 50 years. Like I would talk and, and nothing would come out, and so it sounded like I was whispering. Brother, I was like, oh, you sound bad. But Brother Jared kept telling me, God's going to give you your voice because you're going to be able to teach Sunday school. And I kept telling him, no, I don't think I can teach today. I don't even have a voice. But he kept saying, your voice is going to come back before you have to teach. So here we are, and I have a voice, and it's his fault, I think. <laughs> um, so, But if I do get a little hoarse, just bear with me. Um, and the lesson today... I'll wait for it to come up. Teenagers don't exist. What? I'm so confused. What? Teenagers don't exist. Just take a second and think about where you think I'm going with this. <laughs> Those are some confused faces. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Teenagers don't exist. Here we go. So the word teenager, here's a little history lesson for you guys. I didn't know this. I found this out this week. The word teenager became a word, wasn't even a thing, until 1941. It appeared in a Reader's Digest magazine. 1941. But before that invention, you were a child, then you became an adult, literally. Like, if you were to travel back in time, get in your time machine, go back to the 1800s, when you started looking like a woman or looking like a man, like some people started earlier than others, but let's say you started looking like a man at 13, guess what? You're going to work. And then you start looking like a woman at you know, 14, you're probably going to go get married. Literally, uh, Brother Jared's grandmother in the 50s got married at age 15. So back then, it was just like you were a kid, then you were an adult. There was no in-between. You were a kid, then you were an adult. That's it. So today, obviously, <laughs> a lot has changed since then. And today we have this, this invention of the teen years. Um, but our culture and our society, the, the way that they portray the teen years is that it's like this big goof-off period between the time you're like 12 years old to the time you're 18. And I put it like to 30, question mark, question mark, question mark, because we all know those people who fail to launch and they live with their mom and dad till they're like 30. 
that was not a thing. Like, in the 1800s, if you were trying to be 30 years old living with your parents, somebody would shoot you, I think. Like, that was not a thing. Today, it's a thing. So, okay, I want to I just reiterate this point. If you were to travel back into, like, the 1800s, okay, you're a kid, right? And people allow you to be a kid. Also, like, the school, if, okay, if you go to a vintage bookstore and you find, like, a, a math book from sixth grade, your mind will be blown. If you find a science book, a history book, whatever, from, like, the sixth grade, literature, sixth grade, you find an 1800 sixth grade book, your mind will be, like, like, 50-year-olds today can't even comprehend what sixth graders back then could. There's been a lot of people write a lot of books about the dumbing down of our culture. The funny thing is, every generation looks back on previous generations and assumes that we're smarter. We have to be smarter. We've got more technology, we've got cars, we've got airplanes, we've got better building techniques, we've got better stuff. We have to be smarter but the thing is, and what's troubling to a lot of professors and a lot of intellectuals today, is if you look back at the books that little kids were studying, adults can't even comprehend today what little kids could comprehend back then. So, like, they doubled down on school. School was extra hard for, t- for kids then. Then, all of a sudden, when your body grew, you became an adult. For a lady, you would, like, start doing all the bazillion things there was to do around the house, like scrubbing, hand scrubbing the clothes with the washboard and, I don't know, cooking from scratch, Um, probably going to be getting married about 13 or 14 years old. And then the young men, as soon as you got your man muscles, you're going out to the field or out on the frontier and you were going to work. And, And this was the case. This was the case. Like, from the 1800s all the way, rewind back to Bible days. Like, in Bible days, it was the same way, okay? This is a new thing. This is a brand new time in which we live where there's this big gap from, like, 12 to, let's say, 18, 19, where you just kind of chillax and play Fortnite and, um, I'm trying to think of what else, go to, go to a little fun parties and hang out with your friends and like not have any responsibility. You don't have to go to work. Um, You probably don't even have any chores because you are spoiled rotten. I'm just kidding. Do you have chores? Who has chores? Raise your hand if you have chores. I hope y'all have some chores. I hope y'all have some responsibilities. But, But okay, like the point is, listen gentlemen, the point is today it's a lot different because they didn't have, like, this big chillax period back then. This is my point, okay? I'm going somewhere with this. And I'm not saying that it's bad necessarily. I'm just making, making a point that you'll see in a minute. But this is the first time in history where we've had this big, like, chillax period where you have a little bit of homework, barely have any responsibilities at all. You can stay up till 4 a.m. FaceTiming and doing nothing with your life, going nowhere, <laughs> watching YouTube videos, running around with your shoes off, playing tag. Okay, this, this, this is a new thing. All right. Before the teenager existed, 
Young people throughout history did amazing things and accomplished amazing feats that would never be expected of today's young person of the same age. George Washington became a land surveyor of Virginia at the age of 17. That means he had to, like, he was in charge of measuring out the lines of the state of Virginia and the counties within the state. He rode a horse. He used logs as a measuring tool. He, like, cut down logs and would, like, place them side by side and measure them. I don't know exactly how you survey things, but I know it was a lot of hard work. He was, like, a man to do that job. Alexander the Great founded a colony at the age of 16 and conquered whole nations by the age of 18. Mozart began writing symphonies at age 8. Who's heard of Mozart? He's very famous for his compositions, yeah. Uh, and Brother Jared, do you know how to pronounce that guy's last name? Is it Farragut? Farragut? Farragut. All right, David Farragut was given command of the captured warship Essex at age 12, and he successfully led the ship and its crew back to the U.S. safely. Clara Barton began nursing patients before the age of 17, and she went on to establish the American Red Cross. And then I, I threw a recent one in there to just, you know, say that, like, not every good accomplishment by a teenager was way back when. In 2010, a girl named Laura Decker, who is Dutch, sailed completely around the world by herself at age 14. By herself. She, like, steered the sailboat. Um, so also, many characters from the Bible were called by God, began seeking God, and were used by God at a very young age. Uh, we've all heard of Joseph. His brother sold him into slavery probably around the time when he was a young teenager. Then he went to Egypt, and he started serving and worked his way up. And he was a very young man when all of this happened. Joshua uh, started serving Moses when he was a young man. Um, most people think he was a young teenager. Josiah, King Josiah, started ruling at age 8. And then when he was a teenager, he cut down the groves. He cast down all the idols. Israel was backslid at this point in time. They were worshiping false gods. And this young man stood up and did away with all of that and pointed Israel back to the one true God. Samuel heard a voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he, he kept saying, he kept thinking that it was Eli that was calling him. He would go and say, why did you call me? And he would say, I didn't call you. Remember that story? And then like the, the second or third time he said, ask God, what, what do you want from me, Lord? What is it that you're asking of me? And this happened to Samuel when he was a very young man. Uh, Daniel was kind of in a school, like it was like kind of a training camp type thing. Um, and the king was feeding them meat that was illegal because, you know, Jews couldn't eat certain meats. God had placed that rule that they couldn't eat pork. They couldn't eat certain meats. But the king was trying to feed these young men meats that it was in the covenant. They weren't allowed to have it. And so Daniel stood up and said, I'm not going to eat the king's meat. Him and a, a bunch of other men who followed after him. He led the way. 
And so the the man that was over him, his like leader or captain or whatever, was like, I can't let you do this because if you don't eat the meat, you guys are going to be weaklings and the king's going to ask me why you guys are scrawnier than everybody else and I'm going to get in trouble. Well, he ended up letting them do it. And because Daniel and his men honored God, they ended up being the strongest. And so the king's attention went to them and was like, why are these young men stronger and healthier looking than all the other men? It was because they honored God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow. Um, and they were very young men when that happened. They, they did that against the grain. They did that when everyone else was bowing. They did not bow. David was estimated to be 10 to 15 years old when he killed Goliath. Esther was estimated to be around 14 when she became queen, and God used her mightily. Um, it's getting really hot in here. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So Mary was estimated to be 15 or 16 years old at Jesus' birth. Okay, so hang on. So hang on. So if this is true, which like every scholar, everyone who has an opinion on this, who tries to calculate how old Mary would have been, thinks she was under 18 for sure. But almost everyone thinks she was around the age of 15 or 16 years old. Okay, so if God thought of a, a young lady who was 15 or 16 as a woman. He obviously thought of her as a full-grown woman if he made her pregnant with Jesus at 15 or 16. Okay? Just, just get this in your mind. Just like mind, mind blow. Because today this would not happen because <laughs> girls are too immature. Um, but this, was, this would have been, if, if this is true, and she really was pregnant at 15 or 16 years old. That means that God thought of her as a woman. That means in her mind and in her heart and like spiritually, she was very mature at age 15 or 16. Okay? And she was a spouse to Joseph at this age, so she was about to get married. And why did God pick Mary? Because she had a heart after God. Blessed art thou among women. She had something special about her. She had a consecration, a dedication. God saw her, found her, and said, that's who I'm going to use. And all the nations of the world from now on are going to call her blessed. But that means if she gave birth at 15 or 16, that means at 12, 13, 14, 15, she had a dedication and a consecration and a seriousness about serving God that God took notice to. Um, Jesus himself taught doctors in the temple at age 12, and they were astounded at, at his knowledge. Um, and then Timothy, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, and it's very evident, very clear that he's talking to a young man. All right, the teen years, this is, this is kind of what I'm talking about today. The teen years are not a vacation from responsibility. This is my challenge. This is my point with all of this. Um, the teen years are actually a training ground of future leaders who dare to be responsible right now. And that's in the book, Do Hard Things by Alex and Brett Harris. Youth is the seed time of full age when you're planting seeds. 
the molding season in the little space of human life, the turning point in the history of man's mind. All right, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. There's no mention of like this in-between period. When I became a teenager, I propped my feet up and just kind of cruised through life and watched some YouTube and stayed up all night and did nothing, (laughs) didn't read my Bible, didn't pray. There's no, like, in-between period. There's no, like, goof-off period. And even if, like, I don't know, there's, there's just child to man. There's not even, even if, you know, you were to think of a teenagers as a launching pad, because some people do use teenagers wisely, and thank you to those who do. But Paul makes no mention of that, and this is just reiterating the fact that teenager the whole concept of a teenager did not exist child to man okay what each of us will become later in life largely depends on what we become right now are we taking that seriously think about that for a second ask yourself that question what we're each going to become later in life depends on what we're doing right now are we taking that seriously Right now, today, I am reaping, right now, me, talking about me, pointing at myself, right now, standing up here, I am reaping in this moment what I was sowing when I was sitting in those chairs. Literally, they haven't changed the chairs, so I was sitting in those chairs when I was a teenager, part of Axiom Youth. It was the same name, uh, different youth group, obviously, different kids, different youth pastor, but those same chairs same Axiom Youth Group name, I was sitting there, okay? I don't know which ones I would have sat in, probably all of them. But I was looking back at the speaker. I was in your shoes right there. And what I was sowing right there, right there, right then, the result of that is right here, okay? So when you're standing right here in my shoes, maybe not up here teaching, but when you're 25 years old, what's your life going to look like? What are you going to be reaping based off of what you're sowing right now? I have a an amazing marriage, and that's because when I was there, I, I found a prayer closet, and I laid out on the floor, and I started praying for my future husband. I started praying that God would prepare him, that God would lead him and guide him. I literally would say, wherever he is out there, I don't know, but you know. And I just pray that you would lead him and guide him, that you would help him, that you would strengthen him. I was preparing for my future. I I would say, God, prepare me to be what I need to be for that man when that time comes. I would say, God, lead me to where you want me to go after high school. And I would say, God, make me what you've called me to be. Make me what you need me to be to fulfill the role that you have for my life. I prayed those prayers when I was in your shoes. And because of that, today I'm reaping 
the blessing of praying those, okay? I was not perfect. I did not do everything right, but that I did right. And because of it, I'm reaping today. So when you're standing here at 25 years old, what are you going to be reaping? Because you're going to be reaping whatever you guys are sowing right now. Promise. Um, the law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. You can never get around that. You can never escape that. One day, like say you have a call of God on your life. One day, you might look up and say, why is my friend being used of God more than I am? Well, maybe it's because your friend was reading the Bible instead of watching YouTube. And maybe it's because your friend was praying instead of staying up all night scrolling Instagram. Maybe it's because your friend was taking some serious time and looking at their life and tweaking some things and growing and using their teen years not as a goof-off period, but as a launching pad to where they're going, as a launching pad, a training ground for their adult years. What should you be sowing right now? You should be sowing discipline, especially spiritual disciplines. You should be praying. You should be fasting. You should be reading your word. These are things that uh, today's culture and society would say, like, we don't expect that of you because it's boring. And, like, your attention is a flash in the pan. It's like a two-second goldfish attention span because you're used to flashing TV and YouTube and Instagram and things that are constantly stimulating. And then when you get down to pray, you're like, Yawn, this is boring. Hi, God. Bye, God. <laughs> but somebody at some point, if you don't, is going to learn how to pray. Is going to take prayer seriously, and God's going to use their life, and he's going to elevate them. Because even in our culture that tells young people, you can't do anything, you can't be anything, you're just a bunch of kids, we don't expect anything out of you, even though our culture is telling you these lies, most teenagers are listening to them being like, yeah, that's right. I can't do anything but play Fortnite. I can't do anything but snooze and stay up all night, sleep in all day. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like just this super undisciplined life. That's what the culture thinks of you. And most teenagers are listening to that and acting it out. But some teenagers somewhere is listening to the voice of God and placing some things in their heart and in their life that God's going to be able to take notice of and he's going to be able to use and elevate them. Also, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. <laughs> um, these are things that you should be sowing and acting out. When you walk through the halls of your school in your everyday life, you need to be living this. Obedience to God, looking at God's word and growing and understanding and grasping what he wants you to be and what he wants you to do and obeying it, doing it, living it out. That's how you sow good things. All right, let, let's look at, uh, sorry, let's look at Psalms 119 verse 9 through 11. Wherewithal 
shall a young man cleanse his way. Do Bible quizzers know this? Okay, good. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. All right. How shall a young man, a youth, let's say, cleanse his way? Make his way right before God. How can a youth make his way right before God? By doing two things. Putting some disciplines in your life. What are the two things? Seeking after God with my whole heart that I might not wander from thy commandments. Hiding thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So you should be doing two things according to this passage in Psalms, young people. You should be seeking after God with your whole heart and hiding God's word in your heart. And I promise you that God will take notice. Let's think about David one more time. They estimate that David, and they have a pretty accurate um, accurate knowledge of, of David's like life timeline. Because David took the throne at age 30, we know that. And there's like a 15-year period where David was running from Saul. We know that. So if you do the math, it's, it's pretty clear that David would have been around 10 to 15 when he killed Goliath. Okay? So before that, before Samuel came and anointed him to be the next king, and he went and killed Goliath, why did God pick him? Anybody remember? Why did God pick David? Why did Samuel come to Jesse's house and Jesse set out all his sons and said, this one's the smartest, this one's the strongest, this one's the coolest. And he, he never set out David and Samuel kept saying, there's got to be one more. I don't see him. There's got to be one more. Why did God pick David? Anybody remember? What was David? A shepherd. Okay, if you read and you go back in, in the Psalms, you see psalms that david wrote when he was a young shepherd we're talking about a kid who wrote songs and sang praises to god we're talking about a kid who had a walk with god okay god took notice and he became the king of israel okay shouldn't have been shouldn't have happened necessarily david was a nobody he was a little shepherd boy but god took notice because this young man was seeking after him. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. That means that life, that means that you're building something right now. You're building a house, so to speak. It's a metaphor, but you're building something with your life right now, and life is going to come against that work, that building that you're putting together. And fire is going to try it, the Bible says, to see if it will stand. 
to see if you built something of substance. And some of your friends are going around and getting some little stubble and building their house. And some of you maybe are going and getting some hay and building your house because these things are accessible and they're easy and they're right in front of you and you can whip it up real quick and lay your, prop your feet back. Some of you are getting some wood, some timber, building your house. But some people are getting precious stones and silver and gold and building something that when tried by the fire, it just becomes more beautiful. It just becomes stronger. It just becomes better. Some people, it takes a little more work to get gold, to find precious stones, to get silver, takes a little more craftsmanship, takes a little more patience, takes a little more heart. But some people are building with gold and silver and precious stones, and some people are building with wood and hay and stubble. What are you building your life with today? God's voice says that life is a vapor. You're here one minute, gone the next. 80 years if you're lucky. Your life is going to be gone before you know it. it. says it's a wave tossed in the sea. Here for a second. A flash in the pan. It says it's a flower that's here and beautiful for a day. And then the sun wilts it tomorrow. It's here today. Gone tomorrow. And God's constant warning throughout scripture is redeem the time wisely. But the world's voice to young people today is adulthood is boring, steals all the fun, so just keep being kids. And like, and by being kids, that means shirk responsibility. Don't do anything that's even remotely boring. Don't do anything that's not like keeping you entertained to the utmost. All teens do this and this and this. All teens party. All teens goof off. All teens have sex. All teens look at pornography. All teens drink beer. All teens do this, do this, do this. That's the voice of the world. Time to party. Time to be careless. Never take anything seriously. Never pay attention in class. Never pay attention in youth class. Never come to the altar. Never worship during youth service, during worship service. Talk to your friends. Make paper airplanes. Get on your phone. Sit on the back row. Stare at the ceiling. Oh, I'm bored. Oh, I can't listen. Oh, I wish I was watching TV right now. That's what the world says that teenagers are. But history proves that some of the greatest accomplishments have come from young people, your age. And the Bible proves many, many characters that God used throughout Scripture were young people. Let's end with 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 12 through 16. Paul is writing to Timothy, and Timothy is a young person. And Paul says to him, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 
Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. Or that you're growing up, that you're getting some spiritual muscles will appear unto all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, and continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's go back and look at this scripture one more time, verse 12. Let no man despise your youth. Let no man look down on you because you're young. But be an example to the believers, to all believers. You can be an example to all believers right now at your age. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You don't have to be not pure in your mind or in your heart when you're a young person. You don't have to be telling dirty jokes when you're a young person. You don't have to be cussing when you're a young person. You don't have to be goofing off when you're a young person. But you young people, let no man look down on you because you're young. But be an example to the believers. In word, in conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You guys can be examples to all believers right now at your age. Let no man despise your youth. Let no man feed you that lie that just because you're young, you can't do anything. Or just because you're young, you're going to sin or you're going to goof off. Oh, they're just young. Oh, that's just what boys do. Oh, that's just what girls do. Don't let people feed you that lie. That's not true. You can be a strong young man in the faith. You can be a strong young woman in the faith right now. Okay, so the point of this message, hope you don't think that I'm, like, trying to say you guys all need to go get jobs and, like, girls, you need to get married right now and men, you need to go get a horse and, like, roam the frontier, chop some logs. <laughs> that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not my point. And I'm not even saying that you guys, like, need to move out of your parents' house and go get your own apartment. I'm not saying any of that, okay? What I'm saying is that the culture expects this of you right now, but God expects this of you right now, okay? So don't listen to the lies of the enemy that you just have to goof off through your teen years, but listen to the voice of God, the voice of history, the voice of the Bible, all these witnesses and all this proof that you can be something right now. And that's all. That's all I've got today. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.